We're going to be looking at some scripture found in Luke chapter 12 and Deuteronomy chapter 8. And uh, it's an unusual morning. To, uh, my notes uh, are still in the computer. I had to handwrite them because I, my, my printer failed me at the last minute. But I'm going to talk to you this morning about something that I really enjoy. Uh, I enjoy because I'm a part of a church family that, that has a great attitude. I'm, I'm a part of a community that is a, has a heart of gratitude. And, uh, and I just want to use this morning to cultivate your attitude of gratitude. Because an attitude is contagious. And if you don't believe me, look at what politics is doing with an attitude today. I don't care which, which side of the fence you want to look, look at today. I don't care what uh, political area you may circle your life with. But look at the attitude of politics this morning. It is sickening. In fact, it's so, it's so sickening that I, I, I watch it less than I've ever watched it just because they have nothing good to say about each other and they are doing everything that they can to just kind of destroy an attitude of gratitude. We live in one of the greatest nations we can live in today. We have, still have the liberty to come to the house of God, worship in our own way. We still have the liberty to ple pledge our allegiance to the flag. We still have our ability to lift our voice and pray. We have the ability to, uh, to voice our opinion at the, at the polls as we vote for those in leadership. And so today, even though America has its sheer problems, I have a, an attitude of gratitude today toward America because America is still a great place to raise your family and to live. We have plenty of food on the table. That's not, that's, that's not so in many nations. We have the ability to, to uh, have the size of family we want to have, and that's not enjoyed in other nations. So many things today that I'm so grateful for, but the most grateful thing that I, I am grateful for today is because Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. He's the one that I can depend upon. He's the one that is always there. He's the one that will never leave us nor forsake us. And so we're going to look at some scripture today. And as we do, I want to talk to you. I want you to think with me this morning. What is the definition of an attitude? It's simple. It's the way we think. And the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What's the attitude today? And, and you can almost read a person who has a bad attitude. They're either angry at somebody or they are very disturbed. Look at a person who has a smile on their face, a joy radiating. They've got something to share, maybe something to, to use as a prank on you so you can both laugh. But there's something about an attitude that's very powerful and it's contagious. It can either bind or it can loose. Have you ever walked into an atmosphere where you, nobody had said anything, but you could just find a feel of binding spirit? Man, I'm telling you, it was so tough it would almost choke you. And then, have you ever walked into a group of people or into a building and the attitude was just like it is on Friday night, rib dinner? I'm telling you, the laughter that flows from that kitchen is contagious. I've, I've had more than one person stop by and ask this question. Pastor, how can you put that many people in the kitchen and everybody get along and having a good time? And inwardly, I say this, I can't do that, but God can and we're all laborers together. It's, it's a joy to serve the Lord. It's a joy to find something to do. It's a, a joy to be a part of something that God has, has been involved in. And it all circles around the fact that Jesus is Lord. 
He's the boss. He's the great I am. He's the Alpha and Omega. And we're just his servants today. We're just his hands extended. And, 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 and an attitude of greatness today is contagious. So whatever you may be facing this morning, whatever you may be challenged with this morning, check to see where your attitude may be because God wants to bless you with an attitude of gratitude. We sow seeds into the lives of our children. When they're young in age, we teach them how to say thank you, hoping that that seed will, that we sow will grow into an attitude of gratitude. Giving will expose one of two attitudes, either an attitude of greed or an attitude of gratefulness. I'm going to say that again. Giving will expose one of two attitudes, either an attitude of greed or an attitude of gratefulness. I want to turn this morning for, to Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to share with you uh, some scripture. And I want to begin with verse 13, if I can find it. I always like to have my notes, my scripture and notes, because I can double the size of it. But I'm looking at the Bible this morning, and I'm going to have to follow the print of, that it exposes itself to. Therefore, one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to them, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist of the abundance of things that he possesses. I want you to remember that. Life, our life does not consist of the abundance of things we possess. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, A ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought it within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store my crops and my goods. I'm going to stop there and say this this morning. There's nothing wrong with tearing down your barn and building bigger. There's nothing wrong with you storing and taking care of of your goods. Verse 19, we continue. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these things be which you have provided? So he who lays up treasure for himself is not rich toward God. Things to remember this morning. I want you to talk this word and I'm, because I'm going to use it several times in the message this morning. I want you to remember things around us that we call stuff. I have a 42 by 70 Morton building and it's full with stuff. I have an office in, in, that, in the office building. It's about 18 by 24 and it's filled with stuff. I try not to go there very often because it's filled with other people's stuff. I've threatened my family I'm going to clean that out because I want that office restored. And all at once they turn a deaf ear to what I'm saying. But listen, I want to talk to you about your stuff this morning. There's nothing wrong with having stuff. But it is wrong when stuff has us. God doesn't mind you having stuff. He, he enjoys and he wants you to enjoy life. It's when stuff has us that makes a difference. This man says, I'll tear my, down my barns and I'll build bigger. God doesn't mind that. He wants you to prosper. He wants you, he wants you to be on your toes and take care of what comes your way. He doesn't mind you tearing down those barns and build, building bigger. It's what's in the barn that matters. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first fruit of all your increase. Verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I see my barn full, but it's not with uh, plenty of things that I'd like to fill it with. It's got a lot of things in it that doesn't belong there, but we're living with it. But listen, the Bible says your barns, want, God, God wants you to have a barn full of, of, of things to enjoy. He, he wants that barn to be full of things that you enjoy. But listen, he also says your vats will overflow with new wine. What, what, it, what does that represent? It, new wine represents the spirit. The spirit, he wants your spirit to be new, renewed every day. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. And I say this jokingly, but inwardly I really mean it. Though the outward man perish, my inward man is still 16 years of age. I'm still full of, I, I, I'm still full of uh, things that I like to do. I like to I pull pranks on people. I like to stand at the door and wait for them to come around the corner so I can say, boo. And I, I just like to do all sorts of things. I like to catch somebody backing up and they're not watching what they're doing. I like to walk up and beat on the fender and they slam on the brakes and then they, they grit their teeth and they want to say something until they say, it's a preacher. <laughs> I, I'm just full of stuff. I love to pull pranks on people. That's the way I did. That was the way I was growing up. I was, I was, a, I was a drug baby. I was drugged to church seven days a week. And I'm telling you, I had to learn to have fun at church. I was caught on a wedding night of a couple. He had a 47 Studebaker. I took the Sunday school superintendent's son, and we jacked up both tires. We put them, cut a watermelon too, put that half of that watermelon under each tire, and then we pulled one of the six spark plugs off so it wouldn't hit but on five. Boy, they darted out to church midway. They were happily married. They were getting ready to shuck, shuck and run from the church. At, at, 47 Studio Baker, I can still hear it. It clanked, clanked, and it finally started on five. They put it in gear, and it wouldn't go anywhere. The battle wasn't with the bride and the groom. We almost got whipped by the, by the bride's mother. She came this close to cussing, and she was filled with the Spirit. And I won't tell who it was because Rachel is here. <laughs> Moving on. God wants your barns to be filled with plenty. He, he wants you. The Bible says a man's life doesn't consist of the abundance of things that he possesses, but it's all right to have possessions. It's all right. It's all right. I'm just going to talk about them this morning. Is that all right? We even relate, to, we even relate God to stuff. Now, I've been guilty of this before. When we see people with a lot of stuff, we often say, man, God's been good to that person. God doesn't deal in stuff. He may bless that man, but I'm telling you, he's not in the stuff business. No, I have been wrong many times by relating God to stuff or th things that people own and possess. But listen, God's a good person. He does great things, but he's not in the junk business. Stuff is just stuff. People with a lot of stuff is not a sign that God's blessed that person. God's awesomeness is not measured in stuff. Stuff is just a test. True story. When our first family was young, I was working in the oil field. Mick, Mickey Hedrick had bought a, bought a, a top-line inboard 
boat. And he had used it till the new had worn off. And he had had it in his barn. And one day he put it up for sale. And I bought that boat. Six days out of the, out of the week, the lake looked like a sheet of ice. On, or on, on, on Sunday, the, the lake looked like a sheet of ice. Six days a week, the wind would blow. Summer after summer, we finally got to where we could ride a few of the white caps, and we took the boat out anyhow, even though the water was rough. But on Sunday, it was just calm as could be. And I, uh, I was even uh, asked at times uh, how I could uh, even enjoy a boat when I didn't get to put it in the water all that much. But listen, you know what? It was just stuff. And one day I sold the boat. I really didn't miss it. Uh, the kids were old enough that they didn't enjoy going. And uh, it, it, it went in the discard container and it was sold. But you know, the stuff today that we surround us, our lives with are things that sometimes promote happiness. Sometimes they are challenging. And sometimes they become a weight. Sometimes they become expensive. But stuff is just a test. God's not only concerned about your stuff. He's concerned about how you feel about other people's stuff. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 21. One of the, it's in the top ten. You, everybody should be able to quote this. Do not covet your neighbor's wife. And you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. That's Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 21. How we feel about other people's stuff will determine our attitude. By the way, covetousness is used in that. And covetousness is lust. And we've all been guilty of this. And, and to, uh, to an extent, it's all right. You ever drove by and somebody had this brand new tractor or brand new piece of equipment? They were, I mean, they were just, I mean, it was just a, it was just a picture and, and you, you said, man, I'd like to have that just for a day. I'd just like to enjoy that for a day. Or you've driven by a house that looked like a castle, and you said, man, that, that would be nice just to live in for a day. Or maybe you have saw somebody's pickup, which I've had a lust for pickups. And I'm, I'm confessors faults one to another. God has helped me over that, and he's used you to help me over it. I, I've, got the, I've got the pickup of my life. And it's because of your blessings. But you know, God wants us to sort through things and realize that everybody has a different taste. Not everybody has a, a taste for stuff that, that I may have. But you know what? When they don't, it doesn't license me to find fault with them. Like, I wonder how they can afford to do that. It's none of my business. It's how I relate to that stuff that really matters to the Lord. And until we get to the place where we can say, Lord, just bless Steve and Nancy. I pray that next year they can have two boats. She can have hers and Steve can have his. <laughs> of course, if they want to ski, well, then they'll have to get in one boat and one will drive and the other and pull on the ski. God wants us to radiate a good attitude no matter. You know, I, I, when I see people drive up in new cars, I just say, God, it's so good. Maybe I'm next. And I was. One day I just called to the to the rock and and ronnie drove this truck in i thought man oh man oh man and, and the board member said do you like it i said only a dead man would say no to that 
And they said, there's the keys. I want to talk to you. I'm getting down to something that I want to point out to you today. And I'm going to look to Deuteronomy. I want to wait just a minute. Greed looks to people to meet their needs. When you are looking to your uncle, your aunt, or somebody to meet your needs, greed often takes the place of a great grateful attitude. And great gratitude looks to God to meet our needs. And you and I as Christians know that only God can meet our needs. And it's only God that can meet your need in a supernatural way. When we're looking to mankind to meet our needs, when we're looking to politics, when we're looking to the bank, when we're looking to other people to meet our needs, it's often, to, often said that greed takes over in our lives and our attitude is driven by that because we're depending on somebody else to get us there. Greed always looks to people to meet their needs, and they usually are disappointed when the answer is no, especially from the bank. Sorry, banker. He only lends people money to the rich. Well, these are areas that we guard ourselves as Christians because disappointment will change your attitude in a flash. When you look to people to meet your needs, you're always going to be disappointed. One, one thing I want to say about Pastor Jared and Jenny, they look to the Lord, and they're so thankful, and Sherry and I are too. We're, we are in the same boat. We're so grateful that we can depend on God. And you're here this morning not because of, of Pastor Jared. Now you're here because God has sent you here. You're, you're here because of divine order. And because you obeyed and you came because of divine order, let me, let me say this, God has a special blessing for you. And you know why I know that? Because you came with your work clothes on, you came not to sightsee, you came to be a part of what's going on here. And God blesses people that have an attitude, I'm going to get in and help that church do bigger and more exploit things than ever before without finding fault. God only meets your need in a supernatural way when you're looking to Him to meet your need. Philippians 4.19, I could go there, in fact I will. In Philippians chapter 4.19, I want you to make a note of this. If, if, you are, if you're going through a time of life and, and you're, you have needs today that, that uh, only God can meet, uh, I, want, I, want you to, I want you to know where this is at. Philippians 4. It's not, I gave you the wrong, I gave you the wrong, wrong verse, but I want to give it to you anyhow. Philippians 4.13, no matter what you're facing, no matter what the storm may be, I want you to write this down on the table of your heart. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to maintain, I'm going to maintain a great attitude. I'm going to, my, my dependency is upon the Lord. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to direct me. Only, only God can redeem me from where I am. And the Bible says, for with God, nothing, absolutely nothing shall be impossible. And during those times, here's what I want you to also notice. If you're struggling to keep a good attitude and it seems like your boat is taking on water every day, listen to me. The Bible says, be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And verse 7 is the icing on the cake. And the peace of God that surpasses it, goes far beyond your understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That just simply means you won't get a bad attitude when you're going through 
difficult times. God is able to make all grace abound. And he has the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So let me just give you a simple uh, definition of what that means. Let's just suppose that I've got my back against a wall. And it just seems like that even though I preach on prosperity, I believe God is my supplier. He's Jehovah Jireh. And I've got all the, I've got all the principles down of how God meets our needs. Even though it's in the Bible, even though you, I, you can read it, you can read it, there's something different about reading it and applying it. Jesus gives us the keys to the kingdom, and whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Notice where it starts? It don't start in heaven, it starts on earth. Father God, I bind poverty. I refuse to allow poverty to drive my life, and I'm going to release the abundance of God's provision because I believe you can do things in a supernatural way, and you're going to allow me to walk out of this because I refuse to be a slave to the lender. And then what's, what it says, here's, what, here's the test. He says, when you do that, you do it from your heart. He says, here's what's going to happen. The peace of God that reaches far beyond. You, I just can't figure it out. I just don't know which way I'm going to turn. I just don't know what's going to happen next. The peace of God is going to fill your heart. It's going to reach beyond your understanding, the peace of God. You know, it's, it's, in those, it's in those times when it seems like the war is raging, the storms are raging, and it seems like there's no way out. It's, a, it's that time that God wants to sow peace in your heart because Romans 8, 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to all who are called according to His purpose. So remember, if, if, you, if you have something coming your way, and, 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 and it's really a, a, attacked on your life. Listen, it's time for you to realize you've got the keys, not the enemy. But he's going to do everything he can to talk you out of it. And, and let me just say this. Let me just say this because I'm practicing it myself. Is that all right? Maybe this message is just for myself. Two months ago, the urologist said, we're going to put you on a medicine and see if the cancer cells have moved from your prostate to your bones. And he said, in three months, we're going to know if, if the cancer is spread to your bones. You believe nearly every night my bones ache in places they've never ached before. You know what I do? Father God, I bind the powers of the enemy. I cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the plan of God. And I bring all my thought life under subjection to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm healed because Jesus bore his stripes at Calvary that paid for my healing. And I'm redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And you may say, what if the doctor tells you it's moved your bones? I can tell you what I'm going to do. And let me just read the scripture, Romans 4, 17. I want you to get this because somebody is listening to me. You're, you're going to need this. In, chapter, in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, I want to read it to you so you'll have it. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Who's he talking about? Abraham. Abraham is 100 years old. He doesn't have a child. He's talking to him. Abraham, I'm going to make you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I'm calling my healing into existence even though I don't know what the doctor is going to say. Let me ask you something. Whose report are you believing this morning? 
Listen, I, I, I'm a living testimony. I, I will not preach to you something that I can't live. And you know what? Either way, I win. Suppose he says, Pastor, Pastor you don't have but 90 days to live. I'm going to come home. I'm going to keep pulling pranks on you. I'm going to keep laughing because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm going to, every day I'm going to quote Isaiah 40, 31. Those that wait upon the Lord can renew their strength. We can mount up with wings as eagles. We can run and not be weary. And we can walk and not faint. And everybody said, thank you, Jesus. This is a true story. I've pastored people. They're not here, so I can say this. I, I, I've pastored people, and I say, how are you doing? Well, I just can't lie. I'm sicker than a dog. I said, well, Amber, I didn't say this because I, wanted to, I didn't want them leaving the church. I wanted to say, uh, have you read Romans 4, 17? You can call those things that are not. You say, that's lying. No, it's not. It's doing what the Word says. You have the authority. Luke chapter 10, verse 19 says, Behold, I give in you authority to trample over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. When do you need that? When the doctor's report doesn't line up with the Word of God. That's right. Listen to me. I'm talking to some people. If you don't have it, you're going to need it. Yeah. Yeah, guess what? When the doctor said that, I didn't flinch. I didn't say, Whoa, with me. What if it did? Well, what if it didn't? Hoopy, hoopy, and Satan's a liar, so I just kick him in the fanny go, and he's got to go. That's a Christian cuss word. You kick him in the fanny, he goes. Moving on. That wasn't real funny to everybody, so I'm going to move on. I want to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Have I read verses 1 through 10? Have I? Okay, I want to read it. Oh, my goodness, this clock says it's 12 o'clock. Let me go ahead and read this, and I'm going to close. As soon as I make about 15 minutes worth of no, no, I'm just kidding. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all, all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. Has, have you ever been humbled? Have you ever been tested? He humbled you and allowed you to hunger and, you, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garment did not wear out, on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. I want you to, that's verse 7, Deuteronomy chapter 8. I want to tell you something. I don't, you may be in over your head this morning. I don't know. But I can tell you something. God has plans for you. In verse 7, he says, God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains, and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills. No matter how deep you are, no matter, even though it may look impossible, God has a good land prepared prepared for everyone in this building and those that without beyond the reach of this building this morning if you'll just do what he asks you to do and he says this therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk 
in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines, of fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive and oil, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, out of whose hills you can dig copper. I'm going to go ahead and read a little further. When you have eaten and are full, you shall, you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold multiplied and all that you have is multiplied when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He says, when, you, when I've returned everything that the enemy has sought to steal from you, when I bring you out, this is our deal. Don't forget me. When I bring you out, I've had some close friends. They started with nothing, and God blessed them. And they were faithful to giving to the church. They never missed a church service. They were very faithful. But one day, they were able to build the house. They were able to do, they had their own planes, and they were able to go anywhere they wanted to go, anytime they wanted to go, but they forgot. One family, and especially today, they lost it all. Don't forget him. Don't forget him. Please, please hear me today. No matter where you're at in the journey of life, go back to the Old Testament. See how God, he would redeem them. They would, they would really do good for a while, and then they'd go downhill again. They'd cry out to God when they were, 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 were in the valley. They didn't see any way out, and God would redeem them again. Here they went on the mountaintop. It'd be a mountaintop experience for a while, and they'd forget, and down they'd go again. My concern today is for America. God has blessed America. Any nation that stands up for Israel, God has blessed. But I can see the, when, when America aborts as many babies as we're aborting, when our, the morality of America is going the direction it's going, America is forgetting the Lord. May we as a church family continue to cultivate a good attitude be, a, be of good courage and be ready to face the, in, the, the world today and when we see the enemy stealing and killing and destroying people's dreams, goals and vision maybe be quick to remind them God has given you the keys to the kingdom what do you want him to do maybe it's a sickness maybe you're here this morning and you have a bad report from the doctor, listen, whose report are you going to believe whose report are you going to believe as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, I just want to thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. For all you've done for us and for what you have in store. Lord, I thank you for our, our awesome church family this morning. I thank you for the servanthood that's written all over the hearts and lives of this church today. I'm thankful, Lord, that, that, that you just have given us the ability, Lord, to express the goodness of God through a servant's heart. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for the ability that this church has to cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And, Lord, I pray that we can leave this place and just continue to cultivate other people's lives that are going through difficult times. Lord, 
Our winning begins with a great attitude. Our winning, Lord, our conquering the, our enemy today begins with a good attitude. Lord, we're going to face adversity with a great attitude. When you're followers, who can be against us? And today, Lord, you prove that you're followers. For the word says, no greater love hath this than a man that will lay down his life for his friends. Lord, you proved that. You laid down your life so that we could live again. We give all the praise and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said...